0: welcome to the second special episode of the summer break series on a cup of gratitude this week we're talking about how important it is to take a step in the right direction i'm featuring a song by erica renee mckinney erica has been a guest on the show and she's become such a great friend i so admire her talent and her vulnerability Erica is a singer-songwriter and recording artist from the Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina. And this mountain native deeply respects her mountain heritage and loves music close to her roots. Erica grew up all around rootsy music her whole life, but never pursued a career in music until later in life when she decided to close down her successful hair business that she had for 16 years to pursue a musical career in recording from her in-home studio in 2019 after closing out the business earlier that year. She became an independent artist. She released her first full-length album, Come Praise the Lord, in Christian music genre, with her first music video to promote her single, Come Praise the Lord, flying to Fort Worth, Texas, with 10-4 films in early 2021. She released the single and the album in late fall of 2021. The North Carolina native recently recorded in Nashville, at We Rock, a new single coming out this fall titled Overwhelmed, which is what we're going to be featuring today, so you're the first to get a listen to this, followed by seven more songs, all surrounding her life lessons with overwhelm, burnout, healing, and finding her true identity and calling, and that took place during the closing of her business. Her passions include teaching others how to heal, recognizing and identifying the root and strategically putting solutions in place for full recovery and longevity to prevent relapse with burnout. We have such a necessary teaching for you today. I think it's something that we all struggle with, along with promises from God uh, that we can count on. So let's get started with taking a step in the right direction. This teaching comes from the book of Ruth and the book of Ruth chapter one, verses one through eight says, in the days when the judges ruled and there was a famine in the land, a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife was Naomi and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion." They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These two took Moabite wives, and the name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. What seemingly begins as a tragedy of death and disobedience ultimately ends in the birth of new life and the resurrection hope for the family of David. The fact that the book of Ruth begins with, in the days that the judges ruled, there was a famine, informs us that unfaithfulness has occurred in the land. The book of Ruth points us to the need for more than a judge. There is a need for a faithful husband, and that is Jesus. The curses will be reversed by a faithful husband rather than a judge. The mention of famine should provoke us to ask, how could there be a famine in the land that was supposed to flow with milk and honey? God had given the Israelites this land as a place of rest and blessing. There was something covenantal about this famine. The only time that the land was dry during times of curse. It was on purpose. It was a reaction of God. In the book of Judges, when the people turned away from God, God dried up the land. Elamelech is confronted with more than the problem of feeding his family. He has a covenantal choice to make. Will he respond with repentance and humility? Or will he seek blessing outside of the Lord? It comes down to fear over faith. We don't know how long he waited before making the choice, but his final decision was more connected with food, the situation, than faith, the provider of his life. After all, wasn't it God who provided manna in the desert? If heavenly bread could appear every morning in the wilderness, couldn't God have provided food for the faithful during the famine? When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship the golden statue of the king, God kept them free from the fire. They didn't even smell like fire. I mean, have you ever been near a fire pit? You smell like fire for days. Elimelech didn't seek repentance. The man whose name meant my God is king didn't remember who God was or what he could do. Do circumstances in your life ever make you choose something else other than trusting that your God is king? Does fear ever shake you? Israel was under God's command to remain in the land as part of their call to be faithful. In Deuteronomy 4.1, Moses reminds the people they must remain in spite of the obstacles that may come. Do you think this is a reminder for us that obstacles will come to test us? Famines are a test of faithfulness, says this in Deuteronomy 28. Famines in the land of promise can mean only one thing. God is testing his people. Famine in the Old Testament is a call to repentance and covenantal renewal do you think that you've had times of lack or struggle in your life that may have been a test of your faith? Leviticus 26, 3-13 says, If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest, and the grape harvest shall last to the time for sowing. And you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land securely. I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword." 5 of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old store long kept, and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you, and I will walk among you, and will be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. Now, just for proof's sake that this is in the Bible multiple times, I don't want to read every single one, but let's also read Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all of his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out." The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you. And if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, and all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall go only up and not down if you obey the commandments of the lord your god which i command you today being careful to do them and if you do not turn aside from any of the words that i commanded you today to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them do those two sound very similar to you they do to me they cover a lot of the same things with slightly different wording There are also many chapters dictating what happens in great detail when we disobey. As a matter of fact, there's more than 21 Bible verses about the repercussions of our disobedience, and I'm not going to read those to you, but I would suggest you go read them because they're pretty direct and very detailed. The first thing mentioned in several of these is that the ground would be cursed and the skies would be shut up with no rain, which is famine. God gives choice. Deuteronomy 11.26 says, God sets before the people a blessing or a curse. Think about it. The men, those who were responsible in the covenant for the rebellion that happened with God in this family, all died. The father and his two sons, they rebelled and they died. Elimelech was not a faithful husband. The word of God required him to hold fast to the promises of God and seek restoration for the land, and he deliberately sought blessings outside of the land and the covenant with God. The Hebrew word used in Ruth 1.1 for this trip meant sojourn. So maybe in the beginning, Elimelech was choosing a temporary solution. Using this word shows that perhaps he had intentions of only staying to get food temporarily. But isn't this just justifying faithless living? Have you ever tried to justify your faithless choices? Listen carefully, delayed obedience is disobedience. We can't take even one step in the direction of sin. Sometimes that's all it takes. Before we know it, we're permanently living out of the covenant of God. Did you notice that the chapter opens without even naming Elimelech? It says a certain man of Bethlehem went to sojourn. This unnamed man certainly can't be someone who acknowledges God is king. And to make it more modern day, let's say, could it be that that Christian over there is actually doing that thing right now? That they're going there, watching that, saying those things? Could it be? Ironically, his name does mean my God is king. But by verse 2, his sojourn had become permanent. They went to the country and remained there, and his sons took wives. Elimelech's poor leadership affects the next generation immediately. How quickly that one step out of obedience can turn into a lifetime living somewhere other than God's kingdom. They left Bethlehem, which means house of bread, to look for bread in a country that ironically was known for refusing to give Israel bread and water in Deuteronomy 23, 3-4. But thank God from this journey of an unfaithful husband will come the faithful husband, Jesus. And we ultimately receive him because of a faithful daughter. How do you think that God wants to take your disobedience and redeem it? And more importantly, do you think that He can? Do you ever feel too far away from God to receive forgiveness? We're always only one step away from being reunited with God. If we stumble, all we have to do is turn around and God is there waiting. I'm reminding us right now that we can take one step in a bad direction, too, just one step out of God's will and end up remaining there until we die if we aren't careful. I mean, do you believe that's true? Think about something that God has redeemed in your life. He is able. Although we don't find a faithful husband, we find a faithful daughter. Faith matters to God this woman who should know God, Naomi, became bitter and ungrateful. She literally blames God, not her husband or herself for her circumstances, but Ruth, her daughter-in-law, who goes with her because she has faith in the God that she, that Naomi serves, and she has faith that there's something more for her. Ruth is this example of living a loyal and faithful life. The character you think would show no faith in God. The least likely one, a woman and a foreigner, shows amazing faith. Why? Because it isn't always the put-together leader with the super-Christian name, position, or placement who is faithful. This story is about God and how he restores those who look to him with hope. And it's about God's covenantal faithfulness, which is dependent on Him. God wants his people to be recognized because of their love. Boaz actually says in verse 12 that God is really the one who's rewarding Ruth for the love that she shows to Naomi. Ruth's characteristics are integrity, bravery, faith, obedience, loyalty, love, humility, trust, and she's really hardworking. To me, she kind of sounds a lot like the Proverbs 31, wife. The Proverbs 31 wife is an example of who we all should be, both men and women, just like the bride of Jesus, our faithful husband, is meant to represent men and women, all of us together as the bride of Christ. No one's really off the hook here. (laughs) What I didn't know was that The Masoretic text of the Hebrew scriptures, the book of Ruth, actually falls between Proverbs and the Song of Songs. It's a convenient placement to consider how Ruth actually measures up to the woman of valor in Proverbs 31. Ruth is an example to all of us. She didn't blame God for her circumstances. Instead, she chose to put God first in her life and trust him in difficult times, what do you tend to choose? God is saying sinners and foreigners, women and children, Gentiles and Jews, all people are included in his new covenant if they choose him. God brought the last person anyone would think of into fellowship with himself and his family. Before we know Christ, we are Ruth. Foreigners, rebels, idol worshipers and outsiders. We are spiritual Moabites, strangers to the covenant promise. We are hopeless, helpless, and godless. But in Christ, we who were far off are brought near by his blood shed on the cross for us. By his death and resurrection, he has made Jew and Gentile one new man. Like Ruth, we are redeemed. Our slate is wiped clean God can take a hopeless situation and turn it into something full of his glory, from famine, disobedience, and death to a bloodline that would produce Jesus, the redeemer of the world. Do you have a hopeless situation in your life right now? Would you dare to be like Ruth and trust in who God is over what you see happening where you are? Would you turn and intentionally walk toward God with faith that he can redeem everything? Will you take a step in the right direction? All of us experience the overwhelm of a life lived in a fallen world. But there is a promise, a new covenant, a redeeming God, a sacrificial lamb, a perfect atonement for our sins and our situations. And all we have to do is repent And turn to Jesus. We have to take one step in the right direction, and we are home.
1: I wish I had the answer. I wish you could see all these. I'm sure that you be the really do- Overwhelmed is what is taking you Lift your eyes up into the starry skies They're always shining Though the clouds may hide them Overwhelmed